The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson. And Brady Quinn today is the Brady Quinn Football Show. <laughs> I feel like that was actually you did very, very, very well. Make sure you keep it locked with us all week long, every single week, with more off-season news. Remember to like, comment, subscribe on our YouTube page. And if you're listening to the audio-only version, do the same. Download, follow, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. All right, UConn, five-time champions, RIP to uh, Brinson and I's SDSU Futures. I thought we had it there in the in the, in the in the last few minutes. They got it to five. Yeah, I think I think what killed us was the shooting twenty two percent from the field in the first half and not scoring for eleven minutes. That will always because there's only forty minutes in the game. So if you don't score a field goal in eleven of those minutes, it's going to be difficult to win the game. Aztecs. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know why you guys are being so harsh on San Diego State University. No one expected them to get that far. They really shouldn't have gotten that far, if not for some awful officiating in the Final Four game versus FAU. Hootie hoo for the Owls. Uh, Great season by Dusty. I had them them 55-1 to to win it all from November, so I actually did expect them to get that far. I kind of hoped they would win it all. Well, they got their butt kicked then by a UConn team that was arguably – look, they're the most dominant we've seen in the NCAA tournament, but that being said, they did have an easier path, not ever having to face a one-seed. What was the lowest seed they faced? A four? They faced, they beat a two seed. They beat Gonzaga, who was the two seed by like 20. No, Gonzaga was a three seed, right? I actually was looking this up. I, I, tweeted, I tweeted this. Um, the Gonzaga was a three because Gonzaga and UCLA came out side of the bracket, maybe. Let me go. Uh, let, me check, let me check out my tweet here on the Doge website. <laughs> um, you see, how, what, is, what is he doing? What is the the, the point is this is if we go down like in the history of looking at all time champion among sports, Maybe even the NFL playoffs, you would maybe have to say like this was one of the 
easier paths. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, not, yeah, for I'm sure. not taking anything away from what UConn did. So here, here's their path. It was uh, 13 seed Iona, first round. Five seed St. Mary's, they beat by 15. Smoked eight seed Arkansas, a really good Arkansas team that like would have won the ACC like, easily. Uh, 88-65, obliterated a three seed Gonzaga, snuck by the five seed Miami, and took down the four seed Connecticut. So yeah, no one or two seeds in their path. It's hard to get a lot. Of, it's hard to get easier than that in the NCAA tournament. I would also add that if you look at the advanced metrics, Brady, I know you're a big analytics advanced metrics guy. <laughs> you love the war and the Ken Palm and the DVOA. Um, they should really should have been like a two seed and not a four seed. Connecticut, that is like they they were as good, they were a two seed basically all year long. They were docked by the committee, I believe, because they lost some early uh, uh, conference games to bad teams. Yeah, they really should have been a two seed and. I'm not saying it changes the path. They're just a really good team, but you know the the fact that they were four seed is a little misleading. I think. Okay, that's fair. That's one to say. I'm just saying they won on an average margin of victory by what, 13 or more the entire yeah, tournament. Monster, yeah. yeah. By like, the way, who's, uh, uh, who's, the, who's the last team you could think of though? Let's get away from the tournament for a second. In like the NFL, that was that dominant on the way to a Super Bowl. Like the first one I can think of is. The 49ers with Steve Young, obviously the way they obliterated, I believe, the Chargers. Oh, God. Right? That was the, yeah, I remember that, that Super Bowl. But that was a bad Super Bowl. I actually think, though, they played a close NFC championship game. Yeah. So I'm trying to think through the rest of the playoffs, though, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to think of another team that's been that down, at least in the NFL standards. So while I look at this team, I'm going to give you a trivia question. Do you know who the team with the all-time biggest margin of victory over the course of a full NCAA tournament championship run is? Well, my understanding of the last six games, it would have been UConn based on the stats. I was seeing on CBS Sports HQ all day. Yeah, they, they poor research team and poor. poor <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We love CBS Sports hey. HQ. Joke, joke, obvious joke. Um, I mean, throwing out a UCLA team is probably, you know, fair, right? 1996 Kentucky was oh. the team with the biggest margin of victory. I looked up the roster last night. Did nine UConn- NBA players on their roster. Nine. But didn't UConn beat Kentucky that year in 1996? Well, that would really obliterate my trivia question, so I don't think so. In the actual uh, final, though. I'm actually going with Katie on this one. I feel like Katie probably has a better feel because Brins is bringing up some stats that were not a part of our CBS Sports HQ research. <laughs> he's, going, he's going off the reservation here. We have no idea where he's going. Oh, uh, I guess I will say this. technically it was the 95. 95-96. Okay. I'm sorry. Apologies. Hey, Will, by the way, how different is uh, a Kentucky team in 95-96 with nine NBA players different from today's Kentucky teams who also probably always have nine NBA players on the roster? Well, fun fact, Brady. That 95-96 team, en route to their uh, championship, actually beat John Calipari's UMass team in the, uh, I believe, the Final Four. I tried to look that up, but I'm pretty sure those wins got vacated and those games got vacated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ho, ho! Up high, down hard! I mean, is it was that UMass, Memphis, or was it both? I'm just trying to keep track. Uh, I'm surprised it hadn't happened in Kentucky, honestly. I'd, look, I would side for in blood, like take my pinky and bring Cal to Raleigh. Like, I don't care. But um, yeah, they beat uh, they beat a Tim Duncan's Wake Forest team, UMass, and then a, uh, a Syracuse team in the championship, I believe. Well, congrats to UConn. Uh, they were dominant. I love Dan Hurley. One of the most refreshing interviews throughout the entire course uh, of, of really the tournament, but also even afterwards. Like, he seemed like a guy who just fully expected this team to win a championship, Once, especially once they got to the Final Four. He was like, all right, we got this in the bag. I got three NBA players. 
we're taking on a team in San Diego State that's like older than five NBA teams. So uh, we feel pretty confident about our chances. Also, yeah. I, would like, I would like to point out very quickly that um, the 96 Kentucky team did not lose to UConn. Ooh. They lost to Arizona in overtime in the championship game to avoid to, to mi- barely miss going back to back. Was that Jason Terry in that in that squad? He was like Miles. Uh, uh, Miles Austin. No, that's Miles Simon, Jason Miles Terry, Simon. Michael Dickerson, Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby. Also, shout out to uh, LSU for the women's national championship beating Iowa. Obviously, Caitlin Clark did so much for the game. I think it was the most watched final ever. And nine point nine million. Nine point nine million. So I have a question for Brady about that. Yes, Brady. How do you feel about Jill Biden inviting the Iowa team, the runner-up to the championship, to come to the White House as well, even though they didn't win the championship? What do you think about that? Yeah. Is Brady purposely frozen or accidentally? <laughs> it would be such a poignant part to be frozen, but it I think would be way funnier if he was doing this on purpose and this wasn't like him freezing. It looks like he's about to crack, but maybe not. Maybe I'm seeing things. Oh, he's back. Okay, there you are. Did you hear the question, Brady? No, I think he's just frozen. It's probably better he didn't. All right, you said us I, I will. I will answer. Obviously, Brady is um, a better person to answer this question, but I don't like it. I think it should only be the champions that go on and meet the president and the first lady. So I think it should only be LSU. But I wouldn't mind at some point if Jill or Joe have Caitlin Clark. I don't know that the Iowa team needs to go there, but Caitlin Clark personally has done so much for the game that she can go at a later time. But I think it should only be LSU. But before you answer, Brady, you got to know that when I asked the question, you froze with this disgusted look on your face. I just sat there. I was like, oh, that's actually a good answer. Like, it just looked like you were just like, and we were like, is he, is he, you like, is he can't even add him the question? I, I was frozen. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole with many comments on this. I'll just say this. Look, <laughs> no one on Iowa squad deserves to go to the White House. Okay. Besides Caitlin Clark, Agreed. she carried that team. All right. She, somebody needs to help her out. My goodness. Um, and, and look, it was a phenomenal season for Caitlin Clark. She brings ratings. She brings viewership. All the drama that's ensued since. As good as uh, LSU has been, and congrats to them for winning the national championship. If that wasn't done, okay, to Caitlin Clark, if that was done to any other player on Iowa's team, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's the reality of it. Yeah. So because it was who it was done to and how it was done and all that, it's become drama. Uh, It's not even worth going down that rabbit hole. But to have both teams go to the White House, give me a break. What is wrong with this country where we just can't celebrate the fact that LSU won – Yes. They get the trip to go visit the, the White House. You don't need to bring along the losing team in this battle. We, we don't need to do this. It's not necessary. This is America. We can still award people for winning and not reward the people who have lost. Brady, would you say that this is about um, uh, trying to you know, trying to give out a participation trophy or is it about the uh, her husband lagging in the polls in the state of uh, Iowa? Do you think it's-, <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly probably both. It's, it's honestly probably both at this point, but... Again, not to go down that road. Let's uh, not. Uh, I like this role of you hosting and me being able to ask like ridiculous questions to Brady and just being like, stay, get out of the way and let's see what happens. Well, Brady's doing a good I'll, job. I'll, I'll, summarize it, I'll summarize it very quickly by saying this. You have to be accountable for your actions in good and in bad. So when you celebrate, I don't care if it's to your own bench yeah. and, and all of that, it might be used back on you at some point in time. Remember the whole money sign with Johnny Manziel? People use that back against him at some point in time. Or 
Baker Mayfield planting the flag. Joey Bosa, I think, brought that back out at the yes. pro level. So let's just like let's understand this. When you do something, you have to be accountable for that, and it may be used against you. Also, when you lose, you don't get to choose how other people celebrate. You know, it's not your choice to then decide if they're going to use good sportsmanship or not. All right, regardless of what they do, you don't get to choose. That's how sports works. So if you lose, guess what? And they act in a certain way, they're allowed to. They're the winners. That's yep. how this works. So yeah. you can't be frustrated about it. If you're salty about it, so be it. It doesn't, t- it doesn't take away from Kaylin Clark. Will, I know you want to say something. We'll get to you, pal. We'll get to you, little buddy. All right. <laughs> Just give me a chance. I got frozen for like 30 seconds of your conversation with this. Um, the reality is, like, she had a great season. It doesn't take away for anything she accomplished. She's on a team where if you put her with some better players, maybe they have a shot in Brussels LSU. That wasn't the case in this one. Uh, just a couple quick thoughts here. One, one, one quick proposal. Sure. National championship for men's and women's same day for the love of God, please do this. Please stop doing this Monday night, late national championship game. Celebrate both. Have them be at the same venue. It'd be a lot more fun to have an afternoon women's that leads into, you know, that, that five, six o'clock on a Sunday men's tournament. Stop doing it at nine 20 Eastern on a, on a Monday night. That's part of the reason why the ratings are probably gonna be pretty bad besides the fact of at least one of the brands not being a blue blood. A um, couple quick thoughts here on this on this one. Uh, Kim Mulkey, the LSU coach, is like absolutely petrifying. I, I'm terrified of her and her outfits. Oh uh, two, I think it's a little bit uh, hypocritical to suggest that it's bad sportsmanship when women talk trash, right? Like it's a little like what like like if dudes would do that, we'd be like, oh. So you know, let's let's think on that. And it's not three, even the fact that they do it. It's like that she chased her down to do it. It was like, yeah. uh, and, and like it's not like she did it against that team. That was the only thing that was odd about it. And then there's a totally different point. But uh, the 1992 Dallas Cowboys, 34 10, 30 to 20 against San Francisco in the conference championship game, and then one against the Bills in the Super Bowl, 52 17. So that's there a pretty go. hefty point differential there for a team. So that's your wins. that's your comp to UConn, the men's basketball team, and their dominance. All right. And somehow the 49ers were involved, so I am happy. And they took an L. Doesn't matter. They're involved. (laughs) All right, guys. One shining moment obviously is very closely associated with the March Madness and NCAA basketball. We can obviously put this to football as well. So what is one shining moment from the NFL season of last year? I think we all know where I would go with this. So we'll go ahead and wait for me. Brady, your one shining moment for last year. I mean, I'm not sure where you're going to go because it came yeah. to a bad ending if that's the direction you're going with this. But right. Josh Johnson's, like, first completion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to start off by saying this. My one shining moment really came from a team that I think was looked at and laughed at, and not many people believed that they could build what they've built so far. And that's the Detroit Lions. We were talking before the show of who started off the season on hard knocks. Usually that's a bad omen. Like you're doing hard knocks in the fall. The season's usually not going to work out the way you want it to. They're not an football team. They buried any chance the Packers would have had at making it to the playoffs, which in that point, I guess it really didn't matter as much when the game was played. But a 9-8 and eight, a team that uh, last year, it's a great foundational piece and building block for what Dan Campbell and their team's doing. And it kind of like left on this moment of almost like a changing of the guard, maybe potentially in the NFC North, maybe potentially one of those contenders in the NFC, but also that's the last memories we're probably going to have of Aaron Rodgers as a Green Bay Packer. Mm. And and so to me, it was like one shining moment of this changing of the guards or changing of the times, at least in the NFC, for 
what has been a Hall of Fame career for Aaron Rodgers and his time in Green Bay, but also what could be, too, uh, the start of something for an organization that's lacked any sort of success now, maybe moving forward, having the right pieces uh, in the Detroit Lions. So I know it wasn't one of the things that really stood out. To me, though, I think you look at the way they finished, it was kind of that one shining moment, seeing the players celebrate, seeing the way they finished off the season, thinking, all right, good for Dan Campbell. Like a lot of people, you know, took the sound bites, made fun of it. They're the ones laughing now. Um, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it was a pyrrhic victory because they didn't make the playoffs. But I, I do agree with you. They built something. I think you would have the, you would definitely have Lions highlights in your – see, I sort of thought it was more of like, you know, when we get the one-shining moment at the end and it's like the the ball is tipped. You know, and then like you see like the, the highlights for the well, tournament. show all the highlights of the season. That's what I'm saying. Is- I know, but I'm saying like I think the Lions would definitely make it in there. Now, I'm sort of a sicko. Oh. So I had a couple bizarre – like, for instance, I want Jeff Saturday, a, a sideline shot of Jeff Saturday <laughs> – coaching the Colts as they blow a t- like a 40 point lead to the Vikings. And it's just like, and it's like the ball is tipped. And it's just kind of like, hmm. like looked over like, okay, he's like, what is going on? Like I'm out. Do we, can we kick? It's like, no, you lost. It's over. You're, you're done. Um, so that's what I want on there. I don't want to steal yours, Katie's, but I assume that you wouldn't be cruel enough to put Zeke Elliott trying to block as a sinner and because I would put that in my one shining moment. I, you know, I'm more on the, I'm more on the positive train, but, right. but I do, I do appreciate you bringing that up because that. Um, is so so those are, those are like two, like I'm a, I'm just a sick effer. And I like to have like, like I like to see Schadenfreude, like people suffering in my, in my highlights. Um, I had a couple that I thought about the Justin Jefferson and fourth and 18 catch. Great, I mean, incredible play, and that led incredible to moment. That's, that's, that's a shining moment. That's shining a shining moment. moment. Correct. Um, PJ Walker's hail mary touchdown with 18 seconds left mm. against the Falcons, 34-28, and then they missed the extra point with a chance to win. Dude, that was a that was one of the, maybe the best pass of the entire season. Brady, what do you what do you mean? What? You're just trying to get a Carolina Panthers. Right? I don't care about the Panthers. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I cannot make this more clear. I could just not segue to segue to Katie about now. The Carolina Panthers. Just just segue to Katie because I'm sure she's got. That's all 49ers. It's yes, all 49ers. Right. Well, I have. I have. Hold on. One, I have uh, one Homer to the next. Oh, okay. Yep. Keep I have uh, one more. I had two more. Lamar Jackson's 80 yard touchdown run against the Dolphins. Wait, by the way, it's a one shining moment. We've well, got I'm, I'm I'm building up our highlight reel because Brady only had one, and it was a team that. One. It was the entire season. Yeah. It was the entire season. Cap it off by the way they won. And it started with hard knocks, by the way. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, go buy the DVD. Brady's hawking it. It's like $4.99, the 2022 Lions from yeah. hard knocks <laughs> out of the playoffs. Out of my trunk, like they used to do back in the days. So $4.99. Like, this is not licensed. Please don't yeah. record me. Come, come um, grab one of these. But Lamar had that 80 yard touchdown run, and, I, and, I, and it's like an incredible run. They actually ended up losing the game to the Dolphins, I believe. But I think it's notable that. When you see that play, it's sort of like, really? Nobody wants this guy? You sure? Nobody wants this guy on his te- on their team because he's, he's pretty freaking good. And then finally, the uh, Patrick Mahomes flip pass to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, where it's like Ooh, he's yeah. running around and like all of a sudden it's just like the you're like, how? Like the dude's a magician. So those were those were the ones that I wanted to include in our montage, since I knew you guys would only come with one moment each. Yes. Well. Oh. Go ahead, Katie. Go ahead. Are you playing that? Because we can get sued for playing that, even oh, though can we, we own it. Can we? So. All right. So Al in the comments knows what's up. Shiny moment for the 49ers only needs one comment, and that is Brock Purdy. 
And my shining moment for him is his first start. It's week 14. It's versus the GOAT, Tom Brady. His family had already bought tickets to this game before they even knew that he was going to start. He was a third-string quarterback. Mr. Irrelevant comes out. He leads the 49ers 14-0 against Tom Brady and the Bucks in the entirety of Levi Stadium. Starts chanting, Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And it felt like Rudy. And I know maybe it's not a great comparison, but it felt like a Rudy moment. And to me, like to be Mr. Irrelevant and then to have to be up 14-0 against the greatest quarterback of all time and have an entire stadium chanting your name, that is a shining moment. That is one shining moment. Uh, I would also like to box. nominate the butt. Remember the butt punt? Was it the Dolphins who they, somebody punted some a ball into somebody's butt? I think like that needs to be on there too. It's just like burr, and then I, I mean, how to rename yours? It's not one shining moment. It's it's something else. My 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 montage would be a lot more popular than the the highlight. The fun well, and the worst part is is none of you guys picked Demar Hamlin and his return coming back and what was a scary incident. So I should acknowledge that because you guys are both the big more human beings for not including. <laughs> Part of it. Oh, like, here, this is actually a test. <laughs> I actually said Detroit, full well knowing that the Demar Hamlin piece was going to be part of this. Yet yeah. neither of you two put it as part of yours. So hey, hey, admitted despicable human. Okay, so whatever. Like, like <laughs> can I turn oh, off Luther yeah. Vandross now? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I meant to cue this up earlier. My, my apologies. Yeah, yes, you just got Billy fired. Don't worry about it. Demar <laughs> coming back, and they, they showed him at, at the first game there. That was Naheem Hines, shout out Garner, North Carolina, shout out NC State, returns to kickoff. Yeah. I mean, that's on it. Like that whole moment, you're like, okay, yeah. this is like something out of a, a storybook, you know, something out of a movie. So that was pretty sweet. I'm trying to think if there's anything else like really crazy highlight worthy that we're sort of missing on. I think it's very important we didn't have anything about the Philadelphia Eagles in there. That's very important. Oh, yeah. yeah. Billy, what's your one shining moment? Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, for me, you would think it would be something before the Super Bowl. But for me, it was. Oh, James Bowl. Bradbury committing a, 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 a holding call. In his- <laughs> Why you got to bring up old stuff? I don't need. I, I, <laughs> I, I am saucy today. What is going no, on? No, but for me, it was seeing Jalen Hurts perform on that big stage and really have a great game. I mean, even though he lost. As an Eagles fan, it was great to see him play at that level, and it gave you a lot of confidence going forward, especially for the way that the NFC looks going forward. It it looks like he can control the East for at least the next three to four years. So it was was good to see. We lost the Super Bowl, yes, but it was a shining moment for all Eagles fans for the future to come. Well, and Josh in the chat here says, I think the Chiefs were the most shining the entire year. And yes, they were still the favorite. But I think a lot of people thought that the Chiefs were going to take a step back this year without Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. Just not that he proved everybody wrong in the sense that he was always Patrick Mahomes. But I do think that the Chiefs did actually have a shining year this year when people thought they were going to take a step back. Well, I think like there's some other teams who had a great year and, and obviously some adversity came along with it. The Miami Dolphins, speaking of the Chiefs, you got to talk about Tyreek Hill and some of those plays, Mike McDaniel. I mean, Mike McDaniel on the sideline, or maybe even some of his interviews, whatever he'd say, like he would have to be a part of this in some capacity. I mean, he's just – he's too cool. He's too much fun. Uh, and that that team is too much fun, especially when two is healthy and playing. So that would have to be part of this as well. Yeah. Mike McDaniel's a cool yeah. cat. Yeah. I yeah. agree with you on the Chiefs, though. I mean, not many people – I mean, I was, obviously, but not many people were banging the drum that the Chiefs at plus 160 was the best, easiest money to make in the entire NFL season. I was high on the Chargers last year, and that was really my downfall. Yeah. And uh, there. Don't I, go back I will never do it never. again. Yeah, just learn from, learn from Will, Katie. I mean, I, he did this for years. 
after all of his long days at the frat that him and Philip Rivers were a part of at NC State, he picked them for years and it never worked out. So yeah, Philip, gotta, Philip Rivers and I would be having ten children. Well, I have one. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would have nine. You have the other one. Um. Yeah, look, I mean, like, I was on the Chargers bandwagon for a decade. It's nothing but pain, suffering, humiliation, uh, degradation, uh, awful, miserable losses, the, you know, the, the, the false hope of a run that you think they're going to like, you're like, this is it. They're finally turning the corner. And then you realize you're Charlie Brown and you're laying on your back and Lucy's cackling at you. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Not yeah. better. With that visual, we are going to take a quick break. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At stake, the chance to put on the iconic green jacket. So golfers, are you ready? Go! It's a tradition unlike any other. The Masters on CBS. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and Brady Quinn. If you're not following us on socials, what are you doing? At Pick 6 Pod across all social media platforms. Okay, so let's kind of move on into more of uh, the draft that's coming up. Stroud and Young have had private workouts for the Colts. What do you think of that, Brady? I think the Colts are trying to determine if they want to move up to the number one spot um, and how they feel about these two quarterbacks. Yeah. To the number one spot? Yeah. I know you're freaked out about it. Occupied by the Carolina Panthers. That's right. Your Carolina Panthers. That same team that was a put out. They're not my Carolina Panthers. I only root for whoever I picked to win the Super Bowl each year. That's where I'm at in life now. Okay, you're so the Chargers. What? You're a big Cam Newton fan, though, no? Yeah, but he's not really playing football. Well, he was a Carolina Panthers quarterback. Yeah, I mean. So you were, at that time, a Carolina Panthers guy. You don't find that suspicious? You don't find that suspicious? Thank I mean, you. I don't find it suspicious. I, I do. But How? How is so, it suspicious? The point is this. We've, we've heard Carolina talk about the potential of trading out of that spot. I, I know you're shaking your head. You don't think it's a possibility. But if, if you felt like you could get the guy you're looking for and still trade back out of that spot, maybe it works for you. And look, there's going to be a, a, a varying views on how people look at really, I would say, the top five quarterbacks. There might be some teams that have C.J. Stroud one, maybe Bryce Young, and maybe those guys are interchangeable one and two. There might be some who say – we look at Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and the upside, and we like those guys better. There might be some teams who have that, you know, that, that, that impression of these quarterbacks. There might be some that look at Anthony Richardson and say, yeah, he's got a high ceiling, could have a pretty low floor. We like a guy like Hendon Hooker. He interviews well. He's obviously played a lot more football at the college level between Votsek and going to Tennessee. 
he and, and, and you know possesses many of the traits that we're looking for in a quarterback. Maybe he's a guy that that is higher on people's boards with some of these franchises than what these teams have. Here's what's important to know about this is if you're sitting at four, when you have private workouts with this team, they're trying to determine how they feel about the, those quarterbacks and if it's worth potentially trading up to take them. And, and you might say maybe to three to prevent them from getting leapfrogged by Las Vegas, for example, or Tennessee trading up to three with Arizona, uh, or maybe all the way up to one. You don't necessarily know what the thought process is. They're just trying to figure out really what they think of this quarterback draft class. And the best way of doing it is these private workouts. You know, you're going to be tested by watching a lot of your film of what you did. They're going to test you on watching some NFL film and talk to you a little bit about your familiarity with NFL defense that you're going to face. They're going to interview you and give you pieces of their playbook, go away from that for about a half an hour or so, and then they're going to test you on that stuff up on a dry race board or just sitting down in casual conversation. It could even be during the private workout. They mentioned something to you early on in that workout, and then 20, 30 minutes later in that workout, they test you again on, on if you could recall it, if you could remember it. So these are all the things that they're doing. I know we hype up the pro days. We hype up the combine. These private workouts are way more important. And there's way more information that the teams are gathering to help make their decision from this than anything we see publicly. Even arm strength. You know, they'll do different throws to test your arm strength or different throws they might feel like you struggle with. And they want to see you do them or even different, you know, drops and, and, and progressions that you would do within their system. So um, I think the Colts are, are doing their due diligence as they should be in the position that they are. Um, these are two guys, though, that I think if you want them, you're going to have to trade up. And obviously the Houston Texans aren't a trading partner given this in the same division. But the Carolina Panthers could be depending on who exactly they do believe is their number one quarterback on the board. So I think um... – I think the Panthers trade with the Colts is very unlikely, not impossible. You're talking about sure. David Tepper and Jim Irsay being involved. Like I said that the Panthers weren't going to trade up. For, I didn't think the Bears and the Panthers could work out a deal. That was, they, that did. was stupid. they did. Yeah, that was stupid to me because I forgot David Tepper was involved. So I don't think the Colts, if Chris Ballard was in charge, would move up. But Jim Irsay's a, a player here. And maybe we just wakes up in you know the middle of the night and he's jamming out to some <laughs> horrific cover of, of the band. Uh, or like Led Zeppelin, acoustic Led Zeppelin, however however he likes his eggs cooked, whatever, you know, however he goes. The point being is, he's like, oh, Chris, we're trading up to one. I don't care what it costs. And then maybe the Panthers would do that. I think the risk of the Panthers doing that would be if the guy the Colts get at one, you, you, you just have too much variability in there at two and three. So I here's here's where here's why I want to give you, it'd have to be a three-team trade. All right? The Cardinals? Yes. Yep. So if you're the if, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you're saying, all right, I'm doing this, but it has to be for the right draft capital and compensation. And I know who the Texans are taking it to, and I know who you're taking at one, and we still get our guy at three, and we need to get Arizona as part of this, so we don't get leapfrogged by that. So in that scenario, I don't know when the last time there's ever, or if there's ever been a three team trade in the draft, but that's probably how it would have to work in order to make it work for the the Carolina Panthers as well as part of this. I do believe it happened in the uh, mildly popular but mostly panned uh, movie Draft Day featuring Kevin Costner, where uh, he started out the day with the number one pick underrated. and then ended up with seven first-round picks somehow That's and right. like four players in the first That's round. Right. It was kind of amazing, kind of terrible. Um, I, I have a theory that everything that Kevin Costner's done, or most everything he's done in his movie career, is just based solely on like, 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 a, like he's an adult, but he has these like, like kid, like little boy fantasies where he's like, like I'm going to be a pro golfer. He's like, sure, hey, I'll the tin cup or like cup. water world. 
Oh, exactly. another one. That was yeah. a terrible movie. Yeah, Waterworld was miserable. Field of Dreams. What are we talking about? I'm just saying, like, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. If it's just a world that's covered with water, like, let's go back to that. Or, or Field of, you know, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is nothing but an adolescent male, like, dream about, like, playing with your, like, like, you get to play ball with your dad and, like, a bunch of dead baseball players because you build a baseball field in the middle of a cornfield. Like, it's an outrageous concept. It's a great movie. Love the movie. But, like, and he's just like, you know what? I'm going to be the GM of the Browns because that's what I feel like. Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Dances with Wolves. What well, kind of young man has a dream of dancing with wolves? Protecting, protecting a, a big star and being the hero. Um, now, uh, where the hell were we? Well, <laughs> we're, we're deep in a, a we're deep Costner. in a Kevin Costner oh, yeah. filmography or whatever you call it. We're going on his IMDb page of all the movies he's made. These childish <laughs> thoughts or dreams from traffic. There's another one I'm missing, and I'll think of it in a second. But I will. I want to curious, Brady. Like when you did your visits. Um, like, so you have to understand this. When you visit, you can't work out. They have to come to your campus. You have to have a private location to do that. So you'll see these teams visiting these players at their schools. And then when they come there, it's no holds bar. Like, so you'll, you'll be worked out, you know, physically. They'll test you mentally. You might go out to dinner with them, too, around campus and all of that. When you go up for one of the, the you know, what, 30-some visits or whatever they're allowed – you're just going up to the facility, basically. You know, you're kind of going through like their medical staff's going to look at you again. You're going to go through film and all that kind of stuff. Meet the coaching staff. Meet the general manager, owner, maybe. It, it's two completely different things. A private workout to me is where they gather the most information, and then getting you in, in into their organization is more of a sense of just getting you to see some of the things you know around the organization if you're there. We missed the, the we missed the most obvious one of all. We're back to. <laughs> I mean, a uh, 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 bull well, bodyguard. Bull oh, the bodyguard. Well, I, I said the bodyguard like five times. I'm oh, sorry. I was just dancing with wolves. Yeah. Um, can't forget Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like, what adolescent didn't want to be Robin Hood? You, you, you rob for the rich, steal for the steal for the rich, to yeah. pay the poor. Wow, all of these movies. Yellowstone is the quintessential. I mean, it's just basically redneck succession, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is that, gonna, is that on Paramount? Is that going to get me fired? Maybe, possibly. Wow. That's what got me fired. Ripping Yellowstone. Yeah. Man of Steel. I mean, this guy, I mean, look, it's brilliant. Well, hey, you, you wouldn't want to be like Cal Ripken and get a black eye or anything from Kevin Costner. You know, you wouldn't want to have that happen. That's a good story. Should we tell? I don't know. Who did he play um, JFK? I don't remember his role. He didn't obviously play. Yeah, I don't think he was JFK in that one. Anyway, we don't feel like this has actually happened in a, in a real NFL draft, just in the fictional movie Draft Day where Kevin Costner That's how we got there. plays Thank the Browns you. general manager. Yes. We're back on track. Back on track. All right. Oh, uh, the Untouchables? He was Elliot Ness? I mean, come on. This guy's all, right. all over the place. We're, we're, Branson, we're letting this go. We are letting Kevin Costner out of our lives at this point. And we're going to talk now about Jalen Carter. So Jalen Carter was once believed to be a potential number one overall pick. He got himself in some legal trouble, um, ended up pleading no contest to reckless driving, shows up at the combine, suffers through drills. He's gained nine pounds. And now he's only meeting with teams within the top 10 of picks. Brady, what is he doing? I don't know. I mean, Drew Rosenhaus came out and said he was his agent and said exactly what you'd hope uh, your, your agent would say about you. He's a good family man. He's a good guy, you know, generational talent. Um, and, and all those things could be very true. You know, I don't know Jalen Carter, the person I know, the football player. 
and he is ridiculously talented. He's arguably just on tape, maybe the, the best overall prospect in this year's draft. Now, that being said, the pro day workout, he couldn't finish. He was out of shape. That's concerning. The off the field, other stuff he's been involved in, that's concerning. And if you're, if you're agent, again, you're paying. If he has to come out and make this statement about you, there's probably a problem, right? Like there's probably an issue if your agent has to come out before the draft and tell everyone you're a good person. Like clearly you're already in deep water. Like I don't know that CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or any of the quarterbacks agents have had to come out there and say that about the quarterbacks. But that's the life we're living in right now if you're Jalen Carter. What I don't get is what if a team outside the top 10 wants to trade up and take you? Wouldn't you want to meet with that team? Like, why would you not take their call or that visit in the event that they want to trade up inside the top 10 and not let you fall any further? I do believe there's a book out there that has his draft position, at least after looking this morning, at seven and a half was the over-under. So it's a little funny if, if that is where the over-under is set for his draft position. Like, if you're really where the money's at, you know, Drew Rosenhaus would say, we're not mean with anyone outside the top seven, all right? Because that's where we feel like this thing could go. But – um, the reality is I do think he'll be drafted in the top 10. Um, regardless of the circumstances, we've seen teams still draft players who are this talented despite some of the concerns off the field. Uh, and by the way, that doesn't mean he's even going to have any issues moving forward in his, in his NFL career. So uh, he, Drew Rosas is doing what you'd expect, but I don't understand the concept of not working with every potential team you could be with, and especially considering, look, you go out, you ball out as a rookie, maybe things don't work out where your team wants to sign you that big deal you're looking for. You might end up with a team that has a general manager that was drafting back when you were coming out. And, and you want to, we want them to have the opportunity to compile as much data and information on a great player like that so they can come back and go, oh, yeah, I remember when you came in and visited, we loved you. You just went too high in the draft for us to take you. Now we have the chance to get you as a free agent or trade from you for you if things don't go well. Yeah, it does feel like a bit of a bluff by by Rosen. She's like, hey, just can't can't meet with anybody outside the top ten. Like if the Titans call, like, hey, like we don't, can we meet with them? Be like, yeah, sure, of course, obviously, yeah. we love it. Uh, I just, I know we said we're letting it go, but okay. if I may, just one more. Okay, one more. Uh, I'm not sure this is a good movie, but it's called Rumor Has It. You know this one? That is a good movie. It's with Kate Hudson as well, right? Kevin Costner plays the role of Bo Burrows. Who sleeps with three generations of women? The grandmother, the mother, and then Jennifer Aniston, the daughter. If that's not an adolescent male fantasy, I don't know what is. Hold on, let's pump the brakes because now I'm curious. Jennifer Hudson is the granddaughter. And it's Jennifer not, Aniston. It's not Kate Hudson. That's a different movie called Rumors. This one, it's um, it's Shirley MacLaine, I believe, is her mother. Right? It's Shirley MacLaine, and then it's Jen Aniston. And I think it's just the two of them. It's not three generations. It's just two. But all of the women in the family feel like they have to sleep with Bo Burrows. And he, like, pulls them away from their husbands. It's a very... It's, he, it's three. He, he, he slept with a grandmother, mother, and then Jennifer Aniston. Because okay. she sleeps with him, and then she's like, oh, my God, are you my well, father? Her mother, her mother passed away. So, yeah, the grandmother, Shirley MacLaine, and then her mother passed away. And her mother almost left her husband slash Jennifer Aniston's dad for... Bo Burrows. And Bo Burrows is like a hot, sexy, rich. I mean, it's... Oh, is that Mina Savari? Is that the granddaughter in this one? Maybe. Is, is Mina Savari in it? She might be. I think Mina Savari is a like a... Yeah, Mina Savari is her sister. Mina Savari is oh, okay. her innocent sister. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have Mark Mark Ruffalo, the Incredible Hulk, who plays... Yeah, the Incredible Hulk. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he plays the um, the role of estranged uh, fiancé or... 
boyfriend or something of Jennifer Anderson as she's off flirting with the great Kevin Costner, who, I mean, Lord knows where he came up with this idea. Probably not another adolescent male fantasy, just like all of his other movies. So it's three generations. It's not three generations. Am I getting this right? No, it is three generations. Oh, it is three. Actually, I think Bo Burrows ended up, ends up writing The Graduate or something, right? And then Jennifer Anderson finds out. Yes, that that's right. Yes, yes. And yeah. It's a great movie, by the way, for everybody listening. <laughs> oh, I'm okay. I'm just trying to figure out who are the three love interests. I think, put it that I think, way. I think Katie's correct. The mother. Uh, the mother died. Julie McClain, oh, Jennifer Aniston, mother. we know. Who's the third figure? So, so Jennifer Aniston is the daughter. The mother, unfortunately, passes away. So we don't know. She's not a real character. And the grandmother is Shirley MacLaine. And mm-hmm. Mina Savari is yeah. Jennifer Aniston's sister that does not feel the need to sleep with both. Because Jennifer Aniston is trying to figure out who her real father is because she doesn't know, but her mom can't help her because she's passed away. But the grandmother informs her that her mother did, in fact, sleep with Bo Burrows, who she just slept with and now thinks that she might have just slept with her dad, which is, gets very weird for a minute. Yeah. Oh, God. That yeah. is the most disgusting thing. I did not think the show was going to go that direction. Well, well to Will, this is a bad oh, God. So, I don't know. Anyways. Uh, it's 2005. We're not going to worry about a spoiler alert here, folks. Like, I mean, I feel like I was standing on a railroad track just watching the train coming as that was coming out of your mouth. Like, that is the worst possible scenario of us going back to the Kevin Costner topic. But, but, but he's not, so it's fine. All right, to, to each their own. It, well, it's not fine. It's still kind of gross that he's gone through all three people in their family. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Get breaking news. Big news coming out of the NFL today. Highlights and instant reactions. The largest final round comeback in four championship history. We're down to the final four. I just want to take time to analyze greatness. Talk winners and losers with a guy who's already a big winner. CBS Sports HQ. It's all sports all day long. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and Brady Quinn. And today is the Brady Quinn Football Show. Make sure you tune in with us all week long to stay up to date on all of your off-season news. And, of course, remember to like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube page. I didn't I didn't see whatever day. Thank you, Billy. Billy very timely, very prompt on that. Passed out of the highway. Just it, 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 it looks like it looks like Oscar movies at this point. Will, Will's like a bullfighter. Like he's a dab. <laughs> it's supposed to be a dab, but it looks like you're like holding it up and you're like holding it away from the, the bull. Well, I'm trying not to knock a bunch of stuff over, flailing like, around trying to dab. Do, do the dab one more time. Do it. Also, I have a 41 year old dad. Do you mean be dad? Oh, do, do, do the like... dab. Do, do the do the do the dab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a show. Ah, uh, well, okay. <laughs> 
The, the Ravens met with OBJ in Arizona and apparently have made him an offer. Brady, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson, who is still trying to figure out where he is going, if he's going to stay with Baltimore, which he says he's requested the trade? I still kind of think he's going to stay in Baltimore because I don't know if he has any other options. But is this good news or bad news, the uh, offer sent out to OBJ? Well, I mean, it's good news, right? The organization's obviously trying to, you know, build around Lamar Jackson and appease him and his request. I think it's interesting from Odell Beckham's perspective. Like, if this trade with Aaron Rodgers doesn't happen, it drags on. And yeah. as we get close to the draft, do you take an opportunity with a team like the Baltimore Ravens who's making you an offer? Um, or do you continue to sit there and wait and hope things work out where you have a chance to be on the New York Jets roster um, and play with Aaron Rodgers? It does set up as like the potential to for in two ways. Like if Odell has the opportunity to do so, but he's like, ah, I'd rather play with Aaron Rodgers. Might be better for, you know, reestablishing myself within the league. Could be kind of feel like a slap in the face a little bit, maybe to, to Lamar Jackson. And, and I also think you have to look at it from Odell's perspective, saying, all right, in Baltimore, like he could be the guy, right? Maybe not take as many targets away from Mark Andrews, who's kind of been the guy. But he'd definitely be a bigger piece of it where in New York, you know, you've got Garrett Wilson, who's a budding star, in my opinion. You've got Alan Lazard who just signed. is obviously comfortable uh, with Aaron Rodgers. You know, you, you've got other players, too, on that roster. Like a Brees Hall, when he comes back healthy, you know they're going to try to run the football effectively, too. And that's not to say if they don't add anyone, you know, throughout the course of the draft. I mean, Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, they're still on that roster. So you start to really, like, add things up. And you're going, all right, like, the ball can only go around to so many people. Like, how impactful is he going to be on the Jets? Even though it might be a familiar stadium, bigger market, maybe that helps him off the field. Just kind of wonder, like, how he's viewing this potential offer and then what Lamar Jackson's thinking right now. I mean, is he calling him saying, yeah. hey, Lamar, like, what's the deal with Baltimore? Are you staying there no matter what? Are you? Am I signing on to a deal where you might sit out this entire season and I'm playing with Tyler Huntley? So I think there's a lot of layers to this. Uh, even though it seems kind of vanilla and simple and just, hey, we're offering Odell Beckham, like there's a lot of depth to this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I would think that, I mean, we believe that Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet. I mean, what, we're 98.7%? The longer it goes, the the less percent, I feel like the percentage goes down. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get to um, uh, uh, what's termed uh, something cutting time around the draft where it's like they want to get the pick, you know, Although I guess if it's, if it's a conditional pick, it'll probably have to be next year, so right. it might not matter um, unless they unless they demand like a second round pick this year for for Rodgers. Uh, I would just think that you know the Jets want to have that in place so they can you know figure out their plans, and you would think the Packers want to do that as well. Um, but you know you would you would think that Odell Beckham because I don't you know there was like he wants twenty million dollars, which is hilarious. Then it was like he wants fifteen million dollars, which is I mean equally hilarious. Like how about eight? Does eight sound good, Odell? Eight sounds good to me. And then I think you just pick out, is it is he going to Baltimore or is he going to the Jets? And then you figure out that's what that's where the quarterback he feels safest about is going to be there. I think you also, if you're looking at the division, this Baltimore, I mean, obviously, since that is your competition, maybe it's the Browns, um, you know, Pittsburgh. We'll see what Kenny Pickett can do in year two. But, you know, does it set up better for him to have success, get to the playoffs, maybe a Super Bowl? in Baltimore or with the New York Jets? I mean, I know that's a lot really contingent upon Rodgers being there and being the quarterback. Um, but you look at the AFC East, I mean, it's loaded, man, between the Bills and Josh Allen and everything the Dolphins have continued to do to build out their roster. And if Tua's healthy and with uh, Vic Fangio now as the D.C., 
I mean, you almost kind of look at like the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick, and you're like, they're almost an afterthought with the way that vision's got. God. So if, if it's all right, I'd like to add something on the fly to the rundown really quick about the Patriots. There's two interesting items out there today. One, Tom Kern of uh, NBC Boston, I believe, said that Belichick is, quote, real pissed off that Mac Jones went out and sought an outside outside opinions on how to work the offense with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running it, basically being like, are you sure this like asking people outside the Patriots, like, are you, do you think this is right? Should we be doing this and this? Belichick found out and is teed off about it. And then Mike Florio reported about, about 11 15 this morning that uh, Belichick has shot Mac Jones to multiple teams so far this offseason, which makes you really wonder, like, could the Patriots be involved? You know, I, I guess it's sort of, do we think, I mean, is it possible Belichick's already out on Mac Jones because Robert know. Kraft has expressed a little disappointment? Patriot fans are getting a little antsy. Like, this would be a real interesting plot twist. Parcellian, even. It's it's interesting if he'd be willing to move on from the guy he drafted in the first round this quickly, right? I mean, he's kind of been the quarterback that he hoped for. And the tough thing for me as a former player is it was a disaster last year watching that tape offensively. Mm-hmm. and. And Matt Patricia is a smart defensive mind. He's been a head coach. He did well enough, obviously, to get a head coaching job. But to sit there and think that just because he's an incredibly brilliant person and he succeeded on the defensive side, that all of a sudden it was going to work out calling offensive plays? I mean, come on. Like, like give me a break. So it's it, to me it's a little tough looking at the situation because it's not like Mac Jones has been put in the best situation. I mean, if you look at the supporting cast – I would say it ranks fourth in their own division right now compared to the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets. And so I'm sure there's frustration with the supporting cast. I'm sure there's frustration with, hey, what's the plan here? Like, I know now you have Bill O'Brien, and that's great. But we, did we just waste a year last year, like, moving forward with an offense that wasn't really functional? So, look. Going I mean, was, it, was it the worst move Bill Belichick has ever made in his coaching career? I mean, like, what's worse than – Putting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in charge of your offense. It's like when Andy Reid put Juan Castillo's offensive line coach in charge of his defense and was shocked when it blew up and the Eagles stunk that year, the dream team. I don't know if everybody remembers that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you can chalk it up as one of them that might be the most. But the bottom line is, I, I kind of sit back and just go, I can see how he'd be frustrated. Now, going outside, all right, the Patriots facility and playing Patriot games and, and talking to other offensive minds, I, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like, all right, that's like a cardinal sin. Like that's like if you're a part of that New England organization and you've ever been a part of any of that coaching staff, there is one thing that you know. None of your solutions when you're faced with adversity or things aren't working are outside the building. Like that's, yeah, that's the clear last thing they for want. Sure. Well, and it's just <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> Thank you for playing along, Will. Um, and so the way I look at this, I'm like he, he broke his trust. Yeah. And that's something that you have to be lockstep with your your coach. In particular, I think Bill Belichick with the way he runs things. And if that is true and that is the case, uh, I'm not sure how you build it back if, if you're Mac Jones without having a ton of success and just being able to flat out be the guy and win a bunch of games. So um, it, it seems incredibly unfortunate. I mean, definitely maybe, you know, Mac Jones ends up being dealt, but – it seems, you know, more unlikely than, you know, more unlikely than not that he will. So let's let's play hypotheticals then. Let's say that Mac Jones gets moved. What do the Patriots then do at quarterback? Do they go after someone like Lamar? Is Bailey Zappi all of a sudden the guy? If not Mac Jones, then who? 
Well, I saw a friend of the pod, Lance Zierlein, uh, had in his mock. He mentioned the, the possible rumors. They actually had them taking Anthony Richardson, which would be really interesting, but doesn't feel like a Belichick, Bill, or Brian move to me. You know, I could see them, maybe Will Levis, although they, like he's not the type of accurate passer necessarily on the short and intermediate that you, at least what we've seen, you know. Um, I mean, so- Hendon Hooker fits the profile of a guy that is everything they're looking for. He's mature. He's got a high football IQ. He's accurate. He obviously was incredibly prolific. Granted, that system's very different than running an NFL system. But he's a guy that I think a lot of people are going to be surprised with maybe where he goes in this year's draft. And I think, you know, there's a lot of truth to the reports, at least from people I talk to, that uh, he knocks out of the park. Anyone who talks to this young man loves this young man. So don't be surprised if, like, Hendon Hooker's higher on people's draft boards than maybe some of these teams. The only issue is he's coming off an injury, and you don't know if he's even going to be ready at the start of the season. So maybe it would be Bailey Zappi until a guy like Hooker would be 100% healthy and ready to go. So let's look at their win total. It's seven and a half right now. If there's no Mac Jones, over is juiced to minus 115, under 105. No Mac Jones. Let's say it is Bailey Zappi, over or under the seven and a half. Oh, I mean, probably. You got it. It's Bill Belichick. I can't bet against yeah. him. I'm sorry. I, I just, I take the over because. Zappi looked almost as good as Mac Jones does. Yeah, you're too big on the small sample size and basing that off of everything. Look, there's levels to this, and he hasn't showcased the ability to to do at least what Mac Jones has. Um, what, what, how would Pete Prisco describe his arm, Brady? <laughs> a helium balloon. That or that or a noodle. I mean, I, he's he's described it in a number of ways. Look, even if that's the case, he's obviously there. He's played well enough to maybe warrant being a part of that conversation. But the truth of the matter is. They don't have an answer. And if I'm the New England Patriots, you look at Lamar Jackson, and maybe Lamar would be willing to you know, want to get out of Baltimore. You're not going to get the contract you want from Bill Belichick, but at least you get the opportunity to be somewhere else and have a chance of winning and maybe earn that contract you're looking for. Um, the team's rumored to be interested in uh, Mac Jones or po- potential destinations, according to Pro Football Talk, Raiders, Texans, Buccaneers, and Commandos. Ooh, the Raiders. Wow. Josh McDaniels would just be – well, because I mean, Jimmy G basically has a one-year deal. Like, if they yeah. want to move on from, him, they can obviously. Right. But, yeah. You know. No, but I mean, he's just bringing all the Patriots over there. Oh yeah. Well, that's what a lot of former, you know, Patriots coaches do. I mean, because again, they're look at culture, environment. Those are things that are incredibly important. Like, I mean, really in sports, but like in any facet, right? Like, you know, culture. It's it's not like everyone knows what to do. It's how you're going to go about doing it, and that's kind of what culture is. And I think New England has such a long track record that that they feel like they have. The formula, they know what the culture needs to be. It's just a matter of getting it there. And so you have to bring on the right people that you feel like are wired to think and do the things the way that you need to do in order to be able to achieve that. So, um, you know, you hear that like a buzzword, like culture all the time. Like, what exactly is that? It's hard to put your finger on it. That's valued, I think, more so with the New England Patriot organization and how they operate. And then their disciples from Bill Belichick than anyone else that I've ever been, you know, a part of in regards to, you know, different, different organizations. Uh, Billy in the chat said, how are these teams interested in Mac Jones and not Lamar Jackson? Obviously I think this has to go down to the guaranteed money. Nobody yeah, two first round picks and the guaranteed cash. I mean, like Mac Jones is going to go for a second round pick maybe. Yeah. And he's still on his rookie deal, yeah. you know? So granted there are decisions you have to make down the road, but at least for the short term, you can bring him on. He's probably not going to look to try to, surpassed Deshaun Watson in 230 total million guaranteed. Now, I know Lamar's walked off that, but this is also a guy that's walked off in his own admittance, 133 million 
uh, fully guaranteed on a three-year deal, at least based on what he said. So um, there's no doubt they're completely two different talents, two different skill sets, and Lamar's been more accomplished at this point. But there's a, a much higher price to pay in making that transaction happen. And even once that transaction happens, I don't think Lamar is going to be satisfied just pe- playing under the non-exclusive franchise tag. Um, he's he's going to want that offer sheet extension because there is still a chance that he could be traded, you know, under the franchise tag, as it currently stands, for more value technically. Which Will's like, wait, how did that work? No, I was reading the comments. Somebody said, Brady, did you live on the 14th floor of downtown Denver? <laughs> no, no, Steve, I did not. I <laughs> actually lived the 14th floor. No, is this, like the, is this like what they did at the the U with the? No. No, I, I lived, I lived down in the tech center, which is actually South of it. It's near the facility in Dove Valley, um, back where the, well, where the facility is now, which they've built up. It looks unbelievable by the way. Like, I wish I could get back down there to tour it since, but I haven't had a chance, but I'd love, by the way, I love Denver. That place. I love Denver. I'd move back there in a heartbeat. Denver is one of the coolest, most awesome cities to live. And then that organization too was a first class organization. Me, my dad, and my brother went out to uh, to Denver, went to a Rockies game, and then went to Red Rocks for two nights. So a few stuff before you know, pre-pandemic, obviously, just an incredible time. I mean, first it's, off, it's, one of the best baseball stadiums. Like the grass oh, there is pristine; yeah. it's perfect. Red Rocks is like, I think it's my favorite concert venue I've ever yeah, been to. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we used to go work out up there as a team, and just literally the climb up to get to where actually the venue is. Dude, you think you'll be out of breath? Pass out. Yeah, yeah, you'll be out of breath. Just I was screaming at my dad. My dad started cussing at me because I was like, "Come on, old man, we got to make this show. Let's get moving." He was like, "I was like, well, you look, you signed up for the concert. You you get a full experience, pal." Um, So full disclosure, we would go work out there in the summer times, like like last you know workout of the week or whatever. And we, I'd, but we'd park up top, and then we'd have some beers for everyone, especially for the <laughs> linemen. So right, right you run up and you finish up top, done with the workouts, you go over and grab a couple of beers before you kind of headed out for the rest of the week. But it was fun. I've, I've drank beer while walking up those stairs as well. Um, I'm sure you have. Uh, and by the way, like the the Rockies game we went to, like it was a uh, night, it was like an afternoon or night game, I guess. But like we sat on the first base side. And, you know, you're having a beer, whatever else you can find around near the stadium. And uh, you get to watch the sunset over the the, the the mountains. It's just an incredible experience. Yeah. Is that your favorite ballpark? Uh, maybe right now, just because I think it's the last pro baseball stadium I went to. Yeah. I haven't – I've never been to um, Fenway. I want to be able to go there. Obviously, Yankee Stadium is nice, but whatever. San Francisco, beautiful over the bay. I think that also – where the Dodgers play is kind of overlooked. Really pretty. Actually, I'm probably a Wrigley guy more than anything. I've been Wrigley's Wrigley is the best. Fenway's amazing though, too. I'd say those are those are my top two. I have actually uh I've never seen a baseball game in Fenway, but I've been there for Yeah, wow. you have. What were you for, doing? For a fish concert. How ridiculous oh, is that? <laughs> You're a fish head? Oh, You're a fish head. He's a deadhead. He's a fish head. He does them all. Billy, nobody cares about Citizens Bank Park or Philadelphia. No, nobody does not. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our show today, fellas. Everybody, thanks for watching us. Pick Six Podcast. Make sure you join us on Thursday at 1 p.m. for more NFL offseason coverage. And remember to like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube page. If you're listening to audio only, do the same. Download, follow, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. We'll see you Thursday.